Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. The strength of God and leaning on his understanding and not ours. So this morning I have a message from Matthew chapter 21. And I want to read this text. It's very important. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus uh, from Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. I thought long and hard about what to call the message this morning. I wasn't really sure what to call it. I I, I like to put a little bit of of effort into my sermon titles. And I ultimately decided to go with something that was, in fact, inspired by something that I hear my wife say to me quite often. Now she's got my daughter saying it. Um, It's uh, it's something that that uh, they say to me in response to like a moment of disbelief or doubt. So like if I were to tell my wife, of course I noticed your haircut. She'll say to me, did you though? Did you, did you really notice? Um, or, or like this past week, I, I, I made some food, I cooked something and I wanted my daughter Layla to try it because you know, she's a pretty good eater and I thought she would like it. And I, I told her, I wanted, I want you to try this because I think you're going to like it. And she said, um, she, she was hesitant at first and she was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. And I said, it's good. Uh, try it. And then she gave me her really sassy look, and she kind of put her arm like this, and she was like, is it, though? Is it good? Is it really good? And so <laughs> I'm down to my last girl, guys. One more chance to get the love and respect I deserve in my own home. So I thought to entitle my message today, Is He, Though? And that might not make sense to you right now, but I promise it will in a little bit. This morning, we are recognizing Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, anytime I think about Palm Sunday, I... I I, I think of it as kind of like the younger, not as cool brother to Easter Sunday, because Easter Sunday, every, it seems like every church tends to focus all their efforts on Easter. Uh, Easter is known as like the Super Bowl of, of Sunday mornings, and, and churches all across the nation are, are packed, and so there, there's a lot of effort to try to get a good, uh, a good type of service, especially for those who might not regularly come to church. Last year, we had a... a we had a petting zoo. We were going to plan to do it again this year. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, but we had a petting zoo. Uh, we, we, we packed the house, and every family really, really enjoyed that. We had a, a, a kangaroo jumping around, and it was, it was really cool. Um, Palm Sundays aren't usually that extravagant. And at least in our church, historically, we celebrate Palm Sunday by putting palms somewhere in the building. 
But the significance of what this day represents should never be understated. This is the day that Jesus made a public declaration of who he was. And like on this day, Jesus was a rock star, man. People were cheering for him. He was, uh, everyone was his biggest fan. They were shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which means save us, save us. They were declaring him as the son of David. They were recognizing his messianic ship. They were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were fired up for Jesus, who was going to be their king. They were excited. They were excited. One week before Jesus went to the cross, they were excited. They were pumped up. And you probably know a thing or two about being excited. We've all been excited. Um, when you get excited about something, what's happening is, is you're envisioning something that makes you feel joyful. And so you, you celebrate the idea of what you anticipate. That's what causes excitement. And uh, like I said earlier, we finally closed on our home this past week. Praise God. We spent the first night yesterday. I mean, we got boxes all around the house, but it, it, was, uh, it was really exciting. I mean, from the, from the beginning of last month, when we made an offer on the home, we got it accepted. We were, we were excited because we envisioned a certain something about being in our, in our home. Layla as well. She was really excited about moving in. Now, we also know a thing or two about what happens when our expectations of excitement aren't met. And sometimes that leads to disappointment. When something doesn't live up to the hype or when the thing that you are anticipating doesn't happen. Sometimes it's not even disappointment. Other times it's devastation. Maybe you were excited to be getting married and you got married and you thought it was going to be this fairy tale marriage and everything was going to be perfect. And he was going to love you every single day. She was going to love you every single day. She was going to cook for you all the time. And then it didn't live up to the hype. And, and, and maybe you got a little disappointed at times. Or you thought for sure that you were going to get that job because you went into the interview and, and, and they talked a big game and they were really positive when you left and you thought it was yours, but then you didn't. And so a lot of times we're disappointed. Other times we're devastated. And your devastation will depend on your level of excitement or hopefulness that you put into something. Here in this scene, Jesus was getting ready to declare his kingship. That's a big moment. It's a big moment in the life of Jesus. He, he told his disciples, I want you to go and I want you to get me a donkey um, so that I could ride on that donkey into the city of Jerusalem to fulfill what the prophet had said long ago. See, he knew about the prophecy. Everybody knew about the prophecy. And so by doing what Jesus did, by intentionally fulfilling that prophecy, it was him declaring that he, in fact, was uh, the one whom Zechariah spoke about. That's a big declaration. That's a really, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you weren't, if you weren't the prophet, uh, I'm sorry, if you weren't the fulfillment of that prophecy, all you were doing is really just hijacking the prophecy and, and attributing it to, to yourself. That, that's blasphemous. It had major consequences. This is the type of thing that if you said it and you didn't live up to it, you could get killed for it because people are going to make you prove it. You don't just take someone's word for it. When someone says, I am the Christ, I am the son of God, I am the promised king, just saying it, just declaring it doesn't make it so. I, I don't know how many office fans we have watching here this morning, but I was, if, you're, if you've been at home, you're probably watching The Office for like the hundredth time, uh, but there, I was reminded of this episode where Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, um, on one of the episodes, he was having financial issues and he was talking to, to the accountant in his office and and they were going through, you know, his, 
his credit card statements. He had a mountain of debt. He didn't know what to do. And so the accountant says, I mean, one possibility is you could declare bankruptcy. And Michael Scott, if you watch the show, he's, he's kind of it's kind of dumb. He doesn't, really, he doesn't really know a lot of things, and he doesn't really know what that, that means. So what he does is, is he goes outside where people are, and he literally declares bankruptcy. It's one of the most hilarious scenes on TV. He goes out, and he thinks that by saying, I declare bankruptcy, all of his problems are going to go away. Did they, though? No. Because just declaring something doesn't always do anything. Now, at this point in Jesus' life, Jesus already had a track record. People had witnessed him do some things. Uh, they had heard of the miracles that he had done. He seemed to be uh, a man of the people. He was unconventional. He, he, stat- he challenged the status quo. So it was easy to believe that he could be the next king. So when Jesus made that declaration of his kingship, it was easy for people to put their trust in it. Did you know that it's so easy to believe that God can deliver a blessing when you're already in a season of blessings? It's so easy when the sun is already shining to think that tomorrow the sun is going to come out again the same way as it did the day before. And sometimes we, we think that we think, well, he's been doing it, so he's going to keep on doing it. And it's in the seasons of expectancy that we are the most fired up and excited. I said, I said a couple of weeks ago, at the end of 2019, every church was pumped up about 2020. Every church. Everyone was casting vision. Everyone was have, having leadership meetings. Everyone was having uh, Vision Sunday. They were, they, they were making plans. Everyone had that hype for what was to come. And then March took a drastic turn. And when things take a drastic turn, we don't expect them. They, they take us by surprise. This man, this is this COVID-19 is getting real, man. Now we're starting to hear about people that we know dying from this thing. We're we're, we're starting to 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 hear reports of of people, perhaps even you, of people losing their, their jobs as a result of this. And the Christian thing to say is, well, don't don't worry about it, you know, because wherever the turn takes you, as long as Jesus is in the front seat, you're going to be okay. That's the Christian thing to do. That's the preacher thing to do. The Christian thing to say is trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, right? That, that's, that's our first response. That's our first response of encouragement. It's going to be okay. But the very human thing to do is to doubt and to have moments of disbelief. And I'm not talking about disbelief in God. I'm talking about disbelief in what you expected God to do for you. Now you're not so sure about what you were excited about a few weeks ago. When you, when you saw the blessings just pouring in, pouring in, pouring in, and you expected them to keep on pouring in. Now it's different. It's different. Things took a turn. And, you know, is it wrong for, for us to hope for seasons of, of prosperity for our church, for prosperity for our family, for, for, for seasons where we thrive I think it's what many of us expected or at least hoped for. But now the struggle's real. And perhaps you keep hearing things like, well, the promise is coming. The blessing is coming. You just got to wait it out. This is all going to be over soon. Revival is going to happen out of this. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, is it though? Is it? A week after Jesus made his triumphal entry, 
this major declaration of his kingship, the whole tone changed in the city. What once, a a week ago, was excitement and fired up and everyone was, was happy and everybody was positive. Now it's a little bit different. Now it's darker. A week later, Jesus was at his trial and he was saying something to the people that didn't reflect the hope and the excitement that they had expected of him. And we'll find this in John chapter 18, 36, uh, 33 through 36. It says, Pilate went back inside in the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Because a week ago, everyone was, was saying it. Everyone was shouting it on the streets. You made that declaration. You came in riding on a donkey, fulfilling that prophecy from Zechariah. You, you were doing it. You said it. And so now he's asking, are you the king of the Jews? And then verse 36 says, Jesus said, my kingdom. So, so my kingdom means that, yes, he is a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent, prevent my arrest and the Jewish, by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is from another place. Now, it's at this point. That everyone who was shouting for joy, everyone who was cheering and excitement because they believed that he was the king that they anticipated, now they began to ask themselves, is he though? Is he the king of the Jews? Is he who he says that he is? Is he the son of David? Is he the Messiah? Is he? And maybe you're, you're in a season where you're asking yourself some similar questions. Is this going to be a good year for my family like I thought it was? Am I going to get this blessing? Am I going to see the victory like that song says? Am I? This is a real message for some real people this morning. And can I just confess something, man? I I hate when I'm in seasons of, of deep stress or confusion or sadness because it, it just affects my worship. It doesn't eliminate it. It just affects it. In fact, I would say when, when, when we find ourselves in these moments of, of deep distress, we probably go to God more. We probably seek him more. We probably worship more. But, but I hate it because, at least for me, it's, it's, it's not as easy to do. And it should, be all, it should be easy to worship God, man. He is the God of the universe. I mean, he is so worthy, but sometimes it's, it's hard. It's not always easy to bring joy to the table. When, when pain overwhelms my life, it's, it's hard to live in faith sometimes when, when you're stuck on a stranded uh, sinking ship. But I praise God because even though it's hard, I still do it. And maybe that's where you're at right now. It's hard. It's hard to be positive right now, but you're still worshiping God. And I want to encourage you today to never let your worship cease. Never let it stop. Never stop that worship music in your home. Never stop praying. You can be tired. You can be discouraged. You can be uncertain. You can be in a season where it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to be in a good mood when church starts. Maybe it takes you a little bit longer to warm up into worship, whereas before you don't even need a warm up. You go straight into the presence of God. But don't let your worship stop. Don't let it stop. Worship will be the medium. That fuels revival. It will be the thing that gets us through this. I said this earlier. I'm I'm here by the strength of the Lord. That's it. We have to rest upon him. Even if it's hard, the people of God must seek.
Now, this is the part where I want to direct my attention to maybe some other folks. And that's why I asked you to share this message. Because I don't expect the above to be true for everyone. Maybe, Maybe you're done with worship. Maybe the only reason you're watching right now is because your spouse is watching it. Maybe the only reason you're watching is because someone shared it. You're strolling, you're scrolling through Facebook and, and uh, you just thought you'd watch for a few seconds. I want to I talk to you for a minute. Don't go anywhere. Maybe you never thought that your worship was conditional. You never thought it. Maybe you, you, you used to think, well, I could worship through anything. But maybe you're at a breaking point. Because what once were high expectations now are at an all-time low of what you expect God to do. And you don't really believe that he's going to grant you favor in this season, like people have been saying. And maybe you're questioning his involvement in your life today. And when you hear things like, well, he loves you, and, and he's with you, and he's mindful of you, and he's never going to leave you, he's never going to forsake you, he is there for you, you're thinking, is he though? Because I don't feel it. Because my situation doesn't match the declaration. And see, the declaration of Jesus' kingship right here in the, in the passage that we read, it, it didn't match the outcome of what they were expecting. So their praises of Jesus were conditional on him performing what they expected him to perform. And, and so when you hear things like that, when you hear things like blessings over your life, favor over your family, protection and peace over the saints, you have a different idea of what that looks like. You have a different idea of what blessings mean. You have a different idea of what favor for your family means. You have a different idea of what protection means. And so we have to remind ourselves that, number one, his thoughts are higher. His ways are better. His plans are greater. And so when he declares something over my life, it might not look like what I expected it to look like, but it's going to be better. It's going to be better. And I want to encourage you with that this morning, that maybe you're in a situation that you thought it was going to turn out one way, and now it's not going that way, but God is going to do something that's better for you. And I want you to make that declaration right now this morning. Man, just type in the comments, man. If you believe that, it's going to be better. Say that with me. It's going to be better. Go nuts with it. All caps, five exclamation points. It's going to be better. Make that declaration this morning. And I can tell you that you can make it because what God has will always be better than what we think we need. What God has will always be better, will always be greater than what we expected. Jesus professed his kingship, but the kingdom wasn't of of this world. I want to go back real quick. He professed his kingship. He said, yes, I am the king but my kingdom is not of this world. Could it be that God has professed a blessing over your life, but it's not a blessing of your world? I'm going to say that again. It's hard to get the feedback because there's no one in the building, so I don't really have amens. Could it be that God has professed a blessing over your life? He has said that he was going to do something for you. He has said that he was going to provide for you. But the blessing is, is not what you're expecting because it's not of your world. It's of his world. Could it be that God has granted you favor 
but not so much the kind of favor that you were hoping for. Maybe, maybe the healing that was declared over your life, you thought it was physical, it was actually spiritual. And God was going to transcend your spirit into eternity, but you were asking for the physical healing. Sometimes I think we still want the earthly King Jesus. When he said long ago, my kingdom is not of here. Look, I know that it's hard to think about being blessed when physically it doesn't appear to be so. But I want to take you to this last verse here, and I'm about to wrap up. It's Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. It makes another declaration for the righteous. It says, surely, surely. You know what surely means? When you say surely, you can have confidence that it's going to, be, it's going to happen. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield and I know sometimes you read the Psalms and and you read a verse like that and you think what favor what blessing what where is it I want to encourage someone this morning with all the love and respect and gentleness that I can say this to you with redirect your focus from this kingdom to God's kingdom and I promise you every word that you read in the scripture will be realized you will be favored you will not thirst you will be blessed you will receive that inheritance in him you will be protected you will be loved but maybe not in the way you were excited about but it's going to be better it's going to be better it's going to be better you can make that declaration of your life because it's going to be better. The word of God never comes back void. And if he says there is a blessing for you, if he says you will never thirst, if he says you will never hunger, if he says you will never need anything, if he says you will have peace, if he says you will have protection, if he says you will have healing, if he says you will have redemption, if he says you will have uh, 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 salvation, you can count it so surely it will happen. And this morning, Lord, we want to focus, we want to fix our eyes on your kingdom. And right there where you're at, I want to ask you, I just want to, I want to ask you to close your eyes this morning. And I want to pray over you. And we're about to, we're about to do a song here this morning. The worship team, come up. But right there where you're at, why don't you pray, pray this. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, this morning for this word. Because it reminded us, my God, to to not look on the present, Father. It reminds us to not look at what's going on in our world and, and in our lives right now, Father God. And it, it calls us to look to the kingdom. It calls us to look to the things that cannot be seen yet. And that is some of the hardest things that we've ever been asked to do, my God. But that is where our faith is strengthened, my God. And I pray that this morning, my God, we may call on the King Jesus, the King of the world, Jesus, the King of the universe, Jesus, the King of the heavenly places, Jesus. That Jesus, not the Jesus of my kingdom. And we plead blessings, my God, as you would have us receive them, my God. In Jesus' name, if you're here this morning and you're watching this and you have not received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Look, 
Fear should never be a tactic for salvation. But right now, we're living in times where there's uncertainty. And Jesus is the only one who has the answer to eternity. And if you're not walking with him, if you have yet to receive him, if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to encourage you to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior because he, man, he is awesome. Jesus is awesome. And it doesn't mean that everything gets better in this life. It doesn't mean that your bank account gets full. It just means that your spirit is full and your spirit has life. And so I want to I wanna pray with you. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And then I want you to reach out to me. And I want, I want you to let us know if you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We, we, we want to keep count of that. And we want to celebrate with you. So, so if, if that's you this morning, I want you just to, to repeat this prayer after, after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Because you sent your son Jesus for my sake. When I didn't deserve it. Your love poured out over me. And this morning, I accept that. I accept that I am a sinner. I accept that I am in need of salvation. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior. Fill my life today, Holy Spirit, and never leave. I give you my heart and my soul. In Jesus' name. listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.